Good morning. How are we doing? Good. Good. That bumper kind of hits hard, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it's great to see everyone. We're, we're continuing on in our series, Because of You. And this week, we're going to be talking about, because of you, our hearts are constantly grateful. And I wanted to start by just asking a couple questions. You don't have to answer them out loud. They're kind of rhetorical. Just kind of think about them as we go through the message today. Just think about like uh, what they mean to you. The first one is, when was the last time you remember being really, really grateful? Something happened in your life or, or whatever, and you're just like, man, I'm just in a place. I'm really grateful right now. When was the last time you felt that way? And the second one is, when was a time that you, when you look back on it, you probably should have been more grateful than you were? You know, you're looking back on it now, and you're thinking, man, that was really awesome. I should have probably been more grateful, should have expressed more gratitude in that situation than I did. And so, again, I don't expect you to answer those out loud, but I wanted to share with you kind of my response to that. Um, so you, I've told you guys before, I come from a family of seven kids, right? Seven kids, half of a double house, one bathroom. Yeah, I know, right? One bathroom. But look at, looking back on it, I don't know that growing up, I was as appreciative of the things that my mom and dad for, did for us as I should have been, right? The sacrifices they made, the difficult decisions that they had to make to support seven kids, the rides to wrestling practice, to football practice, to band practice, to Boy Scouts, and that's just me, right? Juggling, juggling seven kids' schedules, making sure that all of us were, were in one piece and presentable before we walked out the door in the morning. Like, that was a full-time job in itself. Um, so, like, growing up, I definitely, I didn't have an appreciation, and I was not as grateful as I should have been to my parents for everything that they did. And I know now, because I have two kids of my own, and, and we're not having seven, right? Where I have two kids of my own, I know, and I, and I see how hard it is to keep up with Derek, who starts second grade this year and is in, involved in all kinds of activities, and Tyler, who just turned two years old, believe it or not, and all the responsibility that Karina and I have in taking care of them. And looking at that and comparing that to my life growing up, I have no idea how my mom and dad did it with seven kids. It just doesn't make sense to me. And I definitely have an appreciation and I'm grateful for having two awesome parents that did everything that they could to help me and my brothers be successful. And this thought process that I have, this kind of new outlook that I have regarding all that, it's given me kind of a new lens to, to view life through. Because gratefulness can and will. When we, live, when we live with an attitude of gratefulness, it can and it will change your life. Because when we're grateful, it helps us better understand what God is doing in our lives. And when we're grateful, it helps us understand how he is moving in our lives. And this morning, we're going to learn about the impact of living this life of gratefulness to God. Because when we appreciate more deeply what God has given us and what God is doing in us, will be more inspired to trust him for more of his kingdom and, and more of his grace as he works through us and moves in us. And our hope is that at the end of today, you will leave thinking that everything that I have and everything that I am is a result of God's amazing grace, and I am truly grateful, and I want to live a life of constant gratitude. And to dig in this morning, I want to talk about, kind of give us a foundational launching point for this morning's message, and I want to talk about posture. I'm not talking about slouching. Well, some of you are, so sit up, right? We're not talking about slouching, but I want to talk about spiritual posture, the spiritual posture with which we approach God. And to do that, we're going to look at Psalm 100. If you want to pull out your Bible, your Bible apps, it's in your outlines. It's also going to be up on the screens. 
But we're going to be looking at Psalm 100. It's not a long psalm. It's only five lines. Um, but I was, I was looking into this, and I found this quote uh, from a commentary that I was reading that gives us some insight as to why this psalm was written. And the quote's from a, it's a commentary called Commentary Critical Explanatory of the Whole Bible. And it says, the psalm is a general call on the earth to render exalted praise to God, the creator, the preserver, and benefactor of all men. So basically, this psalm was written to challenge us to, 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 to render exalted praise to God. That's why this, this, this psalm was written. So in keeping with this purpose in mind, keeping that purpose in mind, I wanted to read it. Again, it's only five lines. So I wanted to read the entire psalm to you. It says, shout for the joy of the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So you read that and it's like, yeah, praise all over that verse. Gratitude all over that verse. And we get it. This verse is about praising God. But I want to take a deeper dive into verses 4 and 5 specifically because it talks about this posture that we're kind of, kind of addressing here. The posture with which we should praise God and interact with him. Verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. What a great verse for our lives, right? If we, can, if we wake up each day, look in the mirror and say, like, yes, I am thankful. These are all the reasons that I'm thankful to God. And just kind of rehash those each morning and say, I'm going to live this life of thankfulness. What a great start to each day that we would have. And then, then take it a step further. The second part of verse, uh, verse 4 says, give thanks and praise his name. So once we've established, like, yes, these are all the reasons that I'm thankful to God and I'm going to live this life of thankfulness, then tell him about it. Praise God. Say, God, thank you so much for all this, and I praise you, I worship you, I give you glory, because all that stuff you've done in my life, all this stuff that's, that's happening right now, I'm so thankful for you, for it, and, and you're the reason that it's all happen, happening. But I want you to, if, if you're going to take on this practice, I want to be sure that you're doing it, and it's coming from a place of true thankfulness, right? Don't do it just because I'm telling you to. Do it because, yes, God, I really am thankful for what you're doing in my life, and I want to live this life of constant thankfulness. And so if we're going to do that, if we're going to live that life, I think we, we have to ask ourselves personally, you know, why, why to me does God deserve my praise? Why to me does God deserve to, for me to be thankful to him? And I think verse 5 here addresses that. It says, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generation. So the reason for it is that it's so awesome to know that we have a God whose love and faithfulness to us is limitless. It doesn't go away. It's uncompromising. God loves us no matter what. And who wouldn't want to know and have a relationship with a God like that? But in, in having that knowledge, right, in having that knowledge and knowing that God loves us and knowing that he wants a relationship and knowing that we can approach him, one thing that I think is important to keep in mind that a big part of who God is is that he is a great king. God is a great king, and when you approach a king, you can't do it in just any old way, right? There's certain protocol. When you're approaching royalty, there's certain protocol that you have to approach a king with. And I was thinking, thinking about this in terms of Queen Elizabeth, right, the, the queen of England, and how, we, how are you supposed to 
approach her, and I found this list, there she is, I found this list of 15 things that you're not supposed to do when you approach the Queen of England. The first one is you're not supposed to sit down, right? Don't sit down when you're talking to the Queen of England. You're supposed to call her, or you're not supposed to call her Queen Elizabeth. You don't know her like that, right? Don't call her by her first name. Only your majesty will do. The second one is you're not supposed to lead, or third one is you're not supposed to lead the conversation. You can only speak when she speaks to you. This one's kind of, I think, obvious. Don't turn around. Under no circumstances do you show your backside to the Queen of England, right? The next one, uh, shake her hand. Unless she reaches her hand out to you, you will bow or curtsy to her. Um, don't ask to go to the bathroom. <laughs> she doesn't like that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> don't touch her, right? I remember when uh, the President Obama met her for the first time. It was a big deal because Michelle Obama gave her a hug. And it was like, oh, my gosh, you hugged the queen. Um, don't ask what perfume she's wearing. If you think the Queen of England smells good, you're supposed to ask her about her scent, which I feel is weird, but that's what she prefers. Um, always bring a gift. Don't show up, empty, up empty-handed. Don't use a nickname, and that's not for her. That's for yourself. So if your name is Jonathan, don't tell her your name is John kind of thing. Don't take a selfie with the queen, but honestly, I want to try that one. Like, if I ever get the opportunity, like, that's what I want to do. But uh, you have to walk at her pace. Don't walk too slowly or ahead of her. This one's good. I thought of Pastor Sean for this one. Uh, don't slurp tea, <laughs> right? You, if, you, if you have tea, if you're fortunate enough to have tea with the Queen of England, there's like a, a, a regimented way you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to pick up your cup, sip it, and after every sip, put it back down on the saucer. So apparently if you have tea with her, it takes about four hours, right? So that's that one. And then last one, if you for some reason like bump into her or something, you can't say pardon. She doesn't like that word. You have to say I'm sorry. So just interesting little tidbits about the Queen of England and, and how you're supposed to approach her. And this is, this is kind of a big deal. Like every time a president meets her for the first time, there's all these reports about things that they messed up in regards to the protocol with, with meeting the queen. So it's a big deal. And the point is that you don't go before a king or royalty with your protocol of what you think is appro- appropriate. You have to go by their rules. And Psalm 100 actually helps us understand how to approach God in a very specific way when we come to him. It says, come to his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. So thanksgiving and praise. That's going to be a kind of a theme throughout this whole message this morning. But what does that mean? Like practically, when we approach God, what does it look like to come to him with thanksgiving and praise? So what I, what I found in this verse and what I found from my experience is if you want to get into the presence of God in a meaningful way, And have a meaningful connection with God. You don't start by listing everything that you want from him. You know, you don't start your interaction by saying, God, I need this. I want that. Can you do this for me? You start by recounting everything that God has done for you and thanking him for that. You start by telling God who he is and how much he means to you. It's like your passport to a deeper, more meaningful relationship with God. How many of you guys have ever traveled internationally? few of you, a lot of you. So you know when you travel internationally, you need a what? Passport. You need a passport. I mean, I guess you could show up to customs without it and hope they let you in, but I don't think that's going to go well for you. So you need that, you need that passport. You have to go through the, the, the appropriate steps, all the paperwork, the waiting, the, the cool pictures you get to take at Rite Aid, like all that stuff. You have to take those, take those steps to get your passport so that when you get there, they'll put that stamp on there and let you on to the next step of your journey. So here's what we see in Psalm 100, that if you want to get past the gate, if you want to uh, move toward the next thing that God wants to do in your life, 
You want your passport, and that passport is is praise and a spirit of gratitude. This is the starting point of every good thing that we want God to do in our lives. And we've all heard, like, the really impressive prayers, the, the ones with all the V's and the thou's and the 14 Father Gods, like, all those really cool prayers. But I will tell you that without gratitude, you're going to struggle to get into the presence of God. Without gratitude, you're not going to have the access code into God's presence. And, you know, maybe you have a great need in your life this morning. Maybe it's a relational need, a financial need, an emotional need, a physical need, whatever it is. Psalm 100 says that the way you bring that to God is that before you ask him for anything, you praise him for everything. Before you ask him for anything, you praise him for everything. And if you want to be in the presence of God in a meaningful way, approach him with a grateful heart and a posture of praise. That's the message of Psalm 100. Before we dig into our outline this morning, I want, I want to ask just everyone, pull a pen out and jot down somewhere on your outline, jot down the words thankfulness and praise. Jot down those words thankfulness and praise, because again, that's going to be like the foundation of our message this morning. And they're going to help us uh, move our relationship with God to a place where we'll be able to ask God for greater things and have the faith to believe that he's going to walk through those things with us and realize them as, as he moves in and through us. And that's going to take us to our first point of when we're grateful for everything that God has already done, our gratitude is never invisible or silent. Our gratitude is never invisible or silent. And I say this because I think we've all run into people that might claim to have a grateful heart, but they don't don't show it and they don't say it, right? Their actions and their words don't don't match up with that. And let's face it, for some of us, our scale, like our measure of gratitude and the way we uh, show that, it's registered on a scale of like, that was all right to that wasn't terrible, right? We don't necessarily know how to communicate those things a lot of times. And maybe you say things like, like your thought process is like, I'm grateful, I just don't show it, but everybody knows my heart, right? Everybody knows in my heart I'm grateful. And, and to that, I would say, no, we don't know that, right? We're not heart specialists. We don't know that you're grateful unless you say and or act it. And this is something that I struggle with you know, my daily interactions. I'm not an overly emotional person and um, showing thankfulness to other people. Sometimes I slip on that. I just had a, had a conversation with a, a lady that works for me of like, you know, I'm sorry I haven't been showing you the gratitude that I should be. You know, I just came to a place of realizing like that's not acceptable. You've been doing such a good job and I just want to tell you, you are, I'm, I'm grateful for you and, and, and I know like in my heart, I know Jesus wants me to express those things and show that love to people. So if you're grateful, you're going to say it and you're going to show it, and the opposite is true as well. If you're not grateful, deep down in your heart, you're not going to say and do those things. Your words and your actions are just a reflection of your heart. They're the litmus test of your gratefulness. So if you want to know how truly grateful you are or how truly grateful someone else is, look at your words. If you say it and show it, and deep down in in your heart, you truly are a grateful person. And this grateful attitude shows up in everything that you do, in your family, on your Facebook posts, on your tweets, at church, in everything that you do, there's going to be evidence that you have a grateful heart and that it's overflowing out of you. And if you're truly living in that grateful way, then those around you should be able to point to behaviors. They should be able to point to tangible examples of your gratefulness 
playing out in your life. So what does gratefulness actually look like? Like we say all these things, it's really cool to say, like gratefulness should out, overflow out of us and people should be able to see it, but what does it actually look like? And I have a video that I think gives a glimpse of what it might look like here. So if you just uh, take a look at the screen with me, we'll, we'll watch this together. Cute little uh, red beetle, an icon, a classic from uh, Volkswagen. I happen to own one, and it is one of my favorite things. I call it my toodle car because I toodle around town in it. So I wanted to give, I wanted to give every one of these to you, but VW said no. They did. They said, sorry, Oprah. We cannot give everybody this beetle. I tried, but they said, maybe we can do one better. <laughs> Listen to this. They said, we cannot give you this beetle, but how about if we give each person in your audience the brand new, totally redesigned 2012 Volkswagen Beetle? Have you ever been moved to tears by a Volkswagen Beetle? <laughs> like, holy cow. <laughs> Do I have any Oprah fans in here? No? One. Okay. You're alone. <laughs> no, so that's like Oprah's favorite things, which I didn't even know that was a thing. But the over-the-top over responses kill me on like The guy that's jumping up and down going like that, like, it's a Volkswagen Beetle, dude. Like, I don't <laughs> But like, so you watch that. And it's like, man, if they get that excited over Oprah and some sparkle and a Volkswagen Beetle, right? Like, what are we doing, right? It's like, so we here at Daybreak, at both of our campuses, as part of our, our li larger alliance family, you know, we, the, the gathers worldwide. We, we, sh we should be able to show thankfulness that every single week, people are gathering and putting their faith in Christ. Right? We should be able to show thankfulness that every week thousands of dollars are given to the poor, that people are moved by God and transformed to be more like Jesus each and every day. And if people can get excited for Oprah and a Volkswagen Beetle, right, if people can get that excited and move to tears for that, 
I wonder what it might look like and sound like to God for us to show our gratefulness to the God who does all those things that I just talked about and more. How might we express our thanks to God, right? Can we do that? And again, I know like central Pennsylvania, it's not like in our culture to get really excited about stuff and be moved to tears for things like that. But I want to hear what it sounds like for our church family to express their gratefulness for a God who redeemed us with his blood by dying on the cross, for a God who's forgiven our sins, healed our diseases, and given us second chances. I want to know, our church family, how grateful are we? God wants to know how grateful are we? And beyond that, like just taking it at a personal level, what has God done for you that you're just like, man, I'm so grateful for that? What has God done in your life that moved you to tears and flapped your arms crazy like that, that guy on that video? Like, what, how does that look like for you? Does this stuff actually excite you? And if it does, it's time to show it, right? We have a lot to get to this morning, but I believe that in this moment, we have to express our gratitude, our gratefulness to God as a church family for all that he's done. And I want to leave, I'm not going to ask you guys to come up and hoot and holler or anything like that, but what I want, do want to do is I want to invite us as a church family to read through part of Psalm. It's, it's Psalm 103, and it's verses 1 through 5. And I want to read it together, but when we read it, I don't want to do the typical, like, monotone church thing Sean is telling me to read, so I'm going to read. Like, I don't want to do that. I want to hear emotion. I want to hear that you're excited and you're grateful as we read this. And if I don't hear it, guys, I'm going to come out there. I'm going to come out there with you. So let's, let's read this. Let's let this be an expression of your gratitude to your creator and savior. So again, Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, if we can read it together. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. You guys started out strong, but it was good. It was good. Give yourselves a hand. That was good. All right, or don't give yourselves a hand, whatever. <laughs> whatever. All right, so the challenge for us is to be in this place of constant gratitude. Like, what does that look like in our daily lives? Obviously, we can't go around, like, yelling out Psalm 103 all the time. Like, that's not practical. But what we do need to do, what I believe that we can do is, is live with that gratitude attitude, right? Grateful attitude. We can live like those words are saying and with the excitement about what God is doing in our lives that that song kind of depicts. And to do that, we have to kind of change a little bit of our mindset, change our idea of what we think we deserve and what we think we're owed. We have to consider that, we take, that what we take for granted, what we take for granted and what we should be truly grateful for. We have to think about those things. And we have to understand that gratitude begins where my sense of entitlement ends. And there's a lot of talk about entitlement. Usually the way it sounds like in the workplace where I work is like, those millennials over there, they're so entitled. I'm not entitled. It's just those, those young people, those millennials, those Gen Xers. And like entitlement, I, it's a scary thing because whether you own it or not, I think it impacts all of us. It's a scary thing that leads us down this path of ungratefulness, a place where we could have everything that we ever wanted, a great job, a great family, a relationship with God, yet still be left feeling unfulfilled because we feel like we're just owed something more. 
I'll give you an illustration this is about my son, about Derek. We were at Myrtle Beach a couple weeks ago, and there's a single-A baseball team down there called the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. They're a single-A affiliate of the Chicago Cubs. Well, we went to a baseball game, and uh, there was actually Ben Zobris, if there's any Cubs fans in here, Ben Zobris was the World Series MVP a couple years ago. And he actually was there on like a rehab stint. So Derek got his autograph. Uh, we watched the game. Zobris hit a home run. Like it was a really cool night. We got dinner at the ballpark, and we were having a really good time. But then Derek, towards the end of the game, got hung up on dad won't buy me ice cream, right? He got so fixated on ice cream that he just was not grateful for the, all the other stuff. And we had a good talk. Like, Derek, I think you're fine, right? You don't need ice cream right now. All this other stuff, you, like, focus on that. You should be grateful for that kind of stuff. And we, we worked through it. But it's like, it's just a perfect illustration of this entitlement thing that we're talking about. And for Derek, I can kind of chalk it up to, like, normal seven-year-old kid behavior. But when we do it, when grown-ups do it, right, aren't we taking for granted everything that God has given us and forgetting how grateful we should be for those things, right? When we have that sense of entitlement, we're basically looking to God and saying, everything that you've given me, everything that I have from you, everything that you've done through me, it's not enough anymore, right? Anymore. I'm entitled. I'm owed it. Or maybe we can think of it this way. What if we went back to a place in our walk with God? where we really grasp in our hearts the meaningfulness and what all God has done for us and what all God has given for us. You know, a place where we grasp the gravity of the fact that we have a Savior who loves us and wants a relationship with us. Maybe the place where we first understood, like, look at how fortunate I am, how blessed I am to be in a great church where we can come together and worship as a church family. Look at how blessed I am and how grateful I should be for the opportunities that I have to serve and rub shoulders with people who want to see others come to a life-changing relationship and walk down a life-changing journey with Christ. And that's just kind of scratching the surface, right? That's, those are the types of things when we can get to that place of like, yeah, I was really grateful in that moment. And realize that's how we should live every day of our lives. Not with a sense of entitlement, but with a sense of gratefulness. Because ultimately when we say that our gratefulness isn't invisible or silent, I think that what God's challenging us to is to let our gratefulness be seen and heard so easily. And make it be so apparent that we're grateful to God that nobody would look at us and say, that Christian over there is entitled. Our gratefulness should be apparent. Our gratefulness should be on display for everyone to say, to say, look at what God has done in my life. And that's going to lead us to a place of understanding that when we're grateful for everything that God has done, when we're grateful for everything that God has done, we are prepared to join God in what he is doing right now. We're prepared to join God in what he is doing right now. And that's your second point this morning. Um, it's got a couple on the screen in a second. So we're going to fast forward a little bit into the New Testament. Testament. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Acts for just a second here. It's Acts 16, verses 22 through 24. We're going to talk about Paul and Silas and a little bit of trouble that they got in. So it says, that, verse 22, it says, The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet to the stocks. So Paul and Silas, they're in a little bit of trouble here, a little, and I wanted to give you a little context for what's going on, what got them here. So they're in this place called Philippi. 
right? They're in Philippi, and they're preaching the gospel, and they come across this slave girl who uh, she's, um, she is uh, possessed by a spirit that gave her the ability to predict the future, right? Possessed by this spirit, and Paul ends up, through some events, ends up casting the spirit out, right? And Jesus and I am cast the spirit out. It kind of goes on his way, but there's a little bit of a problem. This slave girl, her ability was actually making her masters a lot of money. So now Paul has basically taken that away. This, this cash flow has kind of stopped. It upsets the slave owners. They make a big deal about it. And um, so the reason that Paul and Silas end up beaten and in prison is that casting out the spirit, they ended up costing the slave owners money. So they're in prison. And this isn't like white-collar prison. This is hardcore, chained to one another, chained in stocks prison. They're, they're chained up and, and armed guard watching them. They don't, they don't try to escape. They're in a bad way right now. And if there's anyone in history who would have had the right to look up to God and enter into his gates with anger instead of thanksgiving and enter into his courts with contempt instead of praise, it would have been these two in this moment. Right there, they're here in Philippi doing what God called them to do. They helped this poor slave girl, and now they're here beaten, shackled, and imprisoned. All bad stuff, right? And from my perspective, they would have had every right to be angry at God. Every right to feel entitled, like, I don't deserve this. But in verse 25, we're going to see that around midnight, they teach us a very valuable lesson about what it looks like to be thankful and what it looks like to praise God for what he's already done and join in what he's, in what he's doing right now. Verse 25 says, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. So they, they're in this bad way, and the first thing that they think to do is to praise God and sing hymns to him. And they're in a prison for, for that had they not been doing what God called them to do, they probably wouldn't have been in it in the first place. But somehow they're able to look back and muster up thankfulness for what God has already done in their lives. And they began praising him from their prison cell. Now, how many of us, if put in that situation, can honestly say, like, yeah, I could muster that up. I could do that. Yeah, I couldn't either. I don't see any hands. So I couldn't do that either. I, I tell you, I'd have a pretty good, a difficult time with that. But because Paul and Silas, they had their passport, right? They had their gratefulness. They had their praise. God literally opens the door to do something much bigger. Verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. And if you read on, this is going to provide Paul and Silas the opportunity to talk to the jailer about Christ. And he ends up baptizing him and his entire family. So their faith and their gratefulness opened the door for more people, for his entire family to be added to the kingdom of God. It's something much bigger than Paul and Silas probably would have ever imagined when they were initially locked up in that prison. So we read this verse, we read Psalm 100, we read Psalm 103, and there's just this same continuing theme that rings through all three of these verses, gratefulness or thankfulness and praise. The same gratefulness and praise that is your passport to a deeper relationship with God, that opens your eyes to what God is doing in you right now and allows us in the darkest times to look up to God and have faith and say, God, I know you're working. I know you're working in me. I know that you're working through me. I know that you love me, and I know that you have a plan for me. You know, how many of you guys have had a bad day at work? Some of you. Yeah, probably all of us, no matter what your job is. You've had a bad day at work. Now, how many of us in the midst of that bad day looked up to God and said, thank you? 
right? It's, it's, it's weird. It seems contrary. It seems, sounds a little crazy and far-fetched, especially since right now some of you are reliving that bad day as I'm talking. And I'm sorry if that bad day was like Friday. So, like, it's, it's th- that, that tension that we feel there, that rub that's, that is like it feels awkward because it's contrary to what we think we should do to do that. That's, that's what makes this so worthwhile because we can see from Paul and Silas that it is worth it in the midst of that turmoil to praise God. And it's worth it because inevitably God is going to reveal the bigger thing that he had in store for you all along. But we have to be prepared for it. And the way that we are prepared for it is to live a life of gratitude. Gratitude is what prepares us for what God is going to do because when it comes to the work of God in our life, God prepares the posture of our heart to expect him to show up. God prepares the posture of our heart to expect him to show up, expect him to do more than we can ever imagine. Gratitude gives us the faith to believe that God is going to show up and do the incredible, do the miraculous, do the the amazing, and use us to do it, and do it through us. So if you're you're here this morning and, and you've been asking God to do some things in your life, to give you joy, to give you peace, to give you hope, to give you a new perspective, whatever it is, I think that God wants to say something to you this morning. And that thing is that whatever you've been waiting for him to give you, whatever that is, that thing that you've been begging for to happen in your soul, in your life, God wants to tell you, I've already given that to you in Jesus Christ. If we can start, if our gratefulness can start with understanding the biblical truth that God sent his son to die for us. If we can start there as our point of gratefulness, then our desire to be stuck in complaint, in fear, in worry, in entitlement, whatever it is, it will be overcome by the love of Jesus Christ. And we can pause and be thankful in that. So this morning, Christ wants to stamp your passport. He wants to receive your gratefulness and your praise and welcome you into a life of of love, of relationship, of gratefulness and greater things than you have ever thought possible. And if we live our lives in that way, in constant gratitude and praise, with a grateful and expectant heart, it will be evident to those around you. Pastor Sean likes to ask this question of, how do people experience you? And it's, it's one of like self-reflection and one that really drives at people's perception of you. And it, And it's basically asking, when people experience you, would others say that you are kind? Would others say that you're loving? Would others say that you love Christ? Would they say that you are grateful? How do people experience you? And it's something to think about as we wrap things up this morning and look forward to God's plan in our lives. Because when we're grateful for everything that God's already done, when we're grateful for everything that God's already done, our faith is prepared to join God in even greater things in the future. And this morning, we're going to take communion together. And I would encourage you that before you come up to the table and, and to, to take a moment, take a moment of quiet reflection with God. Say, God, these are all the reasons I'm thankful. These are all the reasons that I'm grateful. And just a moment of just praise Have a moment of just telling God, like, how grateful you are for everything that he's done in your life. 
And then at our church, we come up and we, we, just, we take the elements and we bring them back to our seats and we take communion together. So once you do that, once you have the, the, the bread and the grape juice, go back to your seat and follow up that conversation of gratefulness. Follow that up with saying, God, I'm in a place of expectancy. Because I know how thankful I am and I praise you and, and for everything that you've done in my life, God, I expect you to do great things in and through me. So come on up, uh, grab communion, and, and, and take your way back to your seats after you have, take a moment, take a moment to have those, those conversations with God of, of praise, gratefulness, and expectancy.